Hey y'all, hey, what's up? It's your girl Jamae. Ooh, look at me, rhyming, rapping, being a songstress. Um, welcome back to the Blonde Misfit Podcast, y'all. If this is your first time, welcome. So happy to have you here. If this is not your first time, welcome back, baby, sistrin, sis, beloved. I'm so happy to see see all y'all here. I mean, I can't really see y'all, but y'all know what I mean. Um, if this is your first time here, though, I'm coming back to y'all. Make sure you leave us that rating and review if you listen in an Apple podcast. Now, the reason why I ask for both is because ratings allow other people who discover the podcast to know this is a podcast that we can, you know, spend a little time with. We can get to know each other. We can go on a few dates and they can actually be like, okay, cool. This is a five star podcast. Wink, wink. Um, that I want to invest my time in. But the reason why I also love reviews is because first of all, you all are people, right? I'm people too. And it's just so nice to actually read the reviews that you guys leave and things that you guys love about the podcast. Um, someone not too long ago left a message uh, in the review saying that she felt like she had found her tribe. And that's exactly what this podcast is supposed to serve for. It is a tribe for the tribeless. Okay, that's what a misfit is. Someone who feels like they don't fit in or feels like they're challenging themselves because they don't know where they actually fall in the spectrum. That is what we are. And that is where I want to continue to build our community and just continue to like praise everybody else who feels that way. Because at the end of the day, you do belong somewhere. And if you don't feel like you belong anywhere else, you belong here. Oh my goodness. I don't know if y'all hear all this background noise. You know, it's my fault because I live in New York and I have the window up. And I don't know why I thought just because the, today everything was quiet that the one minute I was going to try to start recording my podcast that that meant that New York was just going to stay quiet for me. I don't even know why I expected that. But now it's too late. Now the window just got to stay open and y'all can get these background noises. I'm sorry in advance. Um, but you know, it's the ambiance. It's the ambiance of living in New York. So yes, if you guys could just take a second and leave a rating or review down in Apple Podcasts, that would be dope. And for everybody else, if you've already done so, what you can do is share this podcast. Share it with your friends, your family, your members of your whatever organizations at work, at church, in the picnics, at the parks. I'm not sure where you where you're going. I don't know where you're going in quarantine, but I what I do know is that you have to see somebody. So might as well share the podcast. Go on and take a screenshot, share it in your IG stories. If you tag at the Blonde Misfit or the Blonde Misfit Pod, I will be sure to repost you um, in our IG stories. And also, it's just such a great way of networking. Our numbers are slowly but steadily increasing, and I'm so proud of the work that the Blonde Misfit is doing. But also, I have some uh, pretty aggressive number goals that I have set out for myself, especially for the end of the year. As we near, you know, we rolling up on her, we towards the end of the block. And so, Please help me hit those goals so that I can continue to prep really great content for you all for Q1 and for 2021 because 2020 was ghetto, okay? But we made her work. We, we, we getting her together. We got some edge control. And so please do that for me and um, I will be sure to return the love however I can. So obviously this podcast is not going out on a Friday. Y'all know that the podcast goes out on Friday and it seems like y'all like when they roll out but last friday i was just stressed i was stressed and it wasn't like a stress that i wanted to even push myself through because one thing i've challenged myself in 2020 really was like girl i'm gonna beat you in the head with this so you understand it's like i don't like pushing myself through certain levels of stress and anxiety anymore like before 
I used to condition myself to just work through it and, and, and just move through. And now I'm teaching myself, like, sometimes you really have to just give yourself a moment of grace and that the world will keep on going. And when you get yourself together, the world and whatever problem you're trying to thwart will still be there. And so for those of you who do not know, although I don't know how you do not know, but you might not be listening to this in real time. You might be listening to this a little later. Um, I'm talking about the election. As of last Friday, we had still not known who the actual president-elect would be, although people like CNN and all the other places were projecting Joe Biden to win. But I'm a kind of girl who I need I need the receipts. Okay, I need I need the, the the paper trail. I don't want no projections. I don't want no he said she said I don't want my baby mama's boyfriends cousins X Y and Z told me I need to know straight up. And so I really decided that I didn't want to put a podcast out because one, I wanted to give my audience time to process everything that was happening. But I also needed to give myself time. As a black content creator, there's a lot of pressure to keep going and to keep pushing and to just put a smile on and be great and happy for everybody else. And sometimes you can do that and then there are some days that you can't. And Friday, I just wanted to watch terrible movies and drink wine and kind of forget that the world existed for a little bit until we found out what was going on. And so um, that is why this episode is going out late. However, I'm happy to announce that the world is uh, a little less on fire. We all know that uh, Joe Biden was elected as president-elect. And um, I'm not going to spend too much time on election stuff because I'm not the most well-versed person in politics. Yes, I vote. And I I vote both in my local offices as well as my my larger ones. I I said offices, but y'all know what I mean. Elections. There we go. Um, But what I do want to say is I, I... two things one it is very imperative i think right now for those of us especially people of black and brown origin to still take time to rest even after this election this election proved that the heart and the backbone of the country as our vp kamala harris indefinitely said and usa today try to mess it up and then we had to come and drag them for a little bit on twitter if you missed it honey you miss you missed a good show but um as she pointed out black women are the backbone of this country not all women but specifically she called out black women and that is not just a a a thing of like oh let me just throw out black women out there real quick no the numbers show swing states like georgia prove that black women got up and we did what we had to do. And even though there is a beauty in, in calling black women sh- strong and resilient, um, it gets tiring. And I know that even behind closed doors, many friends of mine and I have talked about this recently about how it is very difficult to describe black women without having to put some of these um other adjectives on there that define her strength but her strength is defined through the things that she has to go through and this political process was no different yes we got up and we made sure that we were really being active in our communities we swept the votes for 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 the democratic party and we also got out there and were really doing what we could to ensure like more people had access to the proper resources so that they could be politically inclined to vote but at the same time it is not black women's job to save the world it is not our job to save 
the the same country that continuously looks at us as less than because of the fact that we are black and also because of the fact that we are women and so with that being said you know this is still a great victory i know that the world aside from you know the people who voted for the other um are feeling a a moment of relief right now but i also want to continue to stress and pinpoint to black women in particular that even if for a second we can take down the superwoman cape and 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 rest um and if we have not done so to make sure and make time to do so all day saturday even half of sunday i was still really ramped up and it wasn't really until i would say like half half through halfway through sunday evening that i first of all allowed myself to cry and get out so many emotions that I was had been processing and had sort of been repressing throughout this entire thing but also that I was able to finally start saying you know what no I need to give myself rest and child I stayed up in my bed and I listened um I listened and I watched uh Selling Sunsets on Netflix if you not hip honey let me hip you let me put all the joints together okay because sis she is good and I'd be so mad because I'm like I hate the fact that it's an all-white cast just because you telling me you can't find no popping um like BIPOC <laughs> like real estate people in LA but that's a whole different conversation for a different day anywho what I'm saying is you got to find time to rest and you got to find time to rejuvenate and to pour back into you because it is evident that this election has taken a lot out all right so make sure that you are taking care of you and pouring back into you because as we have always heard and we know for ourselves you are no good to anybody else if you're not first good to yourself so that was my little spiel. I'm a politician now, clearly, because I haven't talked all this about politics. Just kidding, y'all. I'm like, I literally said barely anything about po- politics at all. Um, so yes, that's what I want to say about that. So two other stories that I actually wanted to talk about this week, because I've been having them on my radar that I wanted to talk about these things. And I obviously gave myself some time and then election time it took over. And I was like, you know what? There are some fashion things that just gonna have to take the back burner. Um, until we figure out if we all go into hell in a handbasket. And so now that I know that we are not, you know, or we might be taking a detour, I can talk about the things that I also want to talk about. First of all, for those of you who are not hip into the recent things that wasn't I was I don't know what word I was trying to say but the recent things of the fashion industry uh some of you may or may not have heard that uh Carly Kushney has decided to close her fashion label Kushney um there was a beautiful story by Jessica Testa for the New York Times that discussed even sort of like the financial issues of the brand just to give you guys a little bit of context Kushney is a black owned luxury women's wear brand and the reason why I want to stress a couple of those things is because one historically I have found that the representation of black female designers in fashion is skim and limited if not damn near non-existent um I don't like saying that they are not that 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 it is non-existent because I don't want to uh, gloss over the fact that we still do have designers like Aurora James from Brother Vellies or um, Fino um, Fee Noel uh, or like or even um, Hanifa and other brands. Um, Tracy Reese, obviously, uh, sorry, uh, I'll be getting text messages while I'm trying to record my podcast and I'd be like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, let me focus. So yes, uh, there are other f- black 
female designers and design brands that are out there, but the number is significantly smaller than first of all other black designers and then and then secondly other designers and design brands like in general um i have covered over the last like two maybe three years specifically nominations for cfda awards and almost every year black women are always just like tossed to the side and even though it's a moment where we want to celebrate because we have people like Christopher John Rogers or Kirby with you know Pierre Moss who are getting highlighted and shown and, and actually getting to represent black representation in fashion. I want to challenge the fact that those are not the only two black brands that exist. And we can still be critical of the system while still celebrating wins that we get. And it is sad because Kushni really celebrated black women but also gave so much hope to other black women that they could inhabit space in the luxury um market now we as black people spend money in luxury for often a lot of us are first introduced to luxury with shoes and accessories you know my first designer purchase i remember was um a gucci belt and I thought you like you couldn't tell me anything. I mean, you still can't when I wear the belt. Like I know I'm fly, and <laughs> um, that is usually the entry point of luxury for many of us. You know, many of us have to continue to work to get to the point where we can afford ready to wear or runway um, things that are a little bit higher up in price point. Not a little bit, child. A lot of bit. A, a lot a little bit. Um, <laughs> but we still nonetheless still do support luxury. I mean, first of all, a lot of these designers get free press from us because of rappers and people who tag brands and we swag things out and they pre-promote us with user-generated content. Um, if I ever use the word UGC, that's what I'm referring to. It's when you guys see brands take photos from somebody else's Instagram and then like we'll re-promote it on the brand. Now on the one hand, it's great exposure for that person, especially if they're a nano influencer or someone who's like, oh my God, like, I don't know, Gucci just reposted me or somebody, something like that, but it don't put no money in a pocket. And in fact, especially if you build yourself up and you have a lot of uh, worth as an influencer and you are actually able to prove that your words move product these brands will capitalize your sign of approval but not ever sign a check for you and i'm saying all this because first of all i want to educate you guys a little bit more about like luxury but and also like my contentiousness with uh black people supporting luxury luxury brands don't get me wrong i have a lot of designer in my, in my closet i'm never going to tell people not to wear designer it is your choice and it is your money child but what i am saying is that we drive so much conversation around luxury and design and then we get so little back in return that it is oftentimes very frustrating and why so many people will say okay well for every dolce and gabbana or every gucci or every um i don't know burberry that you have in your closet do you have 
uh, Wales Bonner? Do you have Martine Rose? Do you have Pierre Moss? Like, so those are conversations that I want to have. And in fact, if you guys would like, I can do an entire episode solely around black designers that you should know, because I do think that the same three or four are constantly thrown out. And there are a plethora of black designers that may not have a million followers and may not necessarily be the hottest thing that everybody's talking about, but they're still doing the work of representation and their products are still amazing. So if you want that episode, you got to let me know. Okay. Remember what we talked about in the beginning, rate, review, share on the stories. Okay. And then, you know, let me, let us just know. Um, but anyway, I say all of that because Kushni was a one of a kind brand that she defined not only that black women and black people could have access to luxury, but that luxury didn't have to be this very grandiose idea or gesture of like clothing that you could only wear at a certain place or a certain time. Now, I will say that I do not own Kushni, and that is because Kushni is expensive, okay? <laughs> like, she, like she's, she's expensive, but she deserves to be expensive because she's luxury. In the same way that I would not argue uh, if I wanted to buy a $1,500 Burberry trench coat, I'm not going to argue with Kushni if you want to sell me a $1,500 dress. At the end of the day, you're their target market or you're not. And for Kushni, Kushni was built around, um, like, their brand... I would say like their target market were like affluent women um, who really wanted to dress extremely feminine and sexy, but it wasn't really a lot of like frills and trends. It was very classic, very curated and a very like strong silhouette. And the sad thing about Kushni is that celebrities love, you know, love the brand. And this is also another lesson that just because a celebrity loves and wears your brand does not save your brand from pandemic relief okay i want to just point that out there as well because we can have an entire conversation about that brands that beyonce wears and people are still struggling to pay mortgages okay that's it's just the two do not coincide often but um even just this year cushiony had said that the biggest issue for them had been retail you know brick and mortar stores had been closed and a lot of retailers were canceling and reducing their return orders i know that this is something similar that i had noticed with christopher john rogers who had signed with netta porte and then netta porte had like closed their doors for a long time and one thing I will say about Kushni is that that level of exclusivity that we look to when we look at luxury was also something that I think even the New York Times said might have been a hindrance because while everyone is now home and we're looking at, okay, sexy sweatpants we can wear, how we can make an outfit Zoom ready, uh, the brand was really known for things like evening wear and um, super sexy glam and, and, but like not sexy, sexy, like um, going out, but like sexy, like sophisticated. That's the word I'm trying to think. Sexy sophistication, um, that people might not be wearing when they're just walking around their house and trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store today. And like, that is like the best thing that's going to happen to me today. So there were some issues perhaps even with the brand modeling that could have contributed to the, to its closing its doors. Um, but one thing that I really appreciated that Carly wrote in her open letter to people when she announced that the brand was closing was that she even addressed that not just the effects of COVID had hurt the business, but that she also had historically had to fight harder because she was a black woman in fashion. 
she specifically noted that she had to fight much harder than her male uh, than her male peers to be afforded the same opportunities and then she even went on to talk about the irony of the fashion industry which I can completely agree with you look at many of these brands that create women's wear and things for women and they are created for by men um, creative directors who are men and often and oftentimes also creative directors who are white men and they get passed around from fashion house to fashion house and so it's it's a very difficult thing because on the one hand I I understand exactly what she's saying especially when it comes down to the finances but also it's like you're creating something in a in a industry that never really was made for you to thrive and it's sad because I know like even just last year she had been appointed appointed um to the board of directors for the CFDA the CFDA now has a new president who is a black woman I've covered all of that also on the blondemisfit.com so if you haven't already, you can always go to the site and read up on that. Um, and then obviously also taking a very open stance to everything that was happening this year, whether it was Black Lives Matter protests, but and also just the reckoning that we happened with fashion and around blackness and black erasure. It's unfortunate that black businesses still have to be victim even after we have consistently shown up and shown out and have set precedents that our peers may or may not be able to do but at the same time it's sad because we can thrive our again this this all goes back to my feelings about calling black women strong and like that level of resiliency and, and feeling like that's a badge of honor on the one hand we know that we are the most innovative and the most creative when it comes to certain things in certain rooms and being able to take lemons tart 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 lemons and make it the sweetest lemonade but at the same time we also know that that sweet lemonade is getting compared to lemonade that is all right and not half as tasty and that lemonade will probably still get chosen over ours it's sad that this is the opportunity that we get that we are so thankful for but then it's like we still have to continue continuously prove ourselves over and over and over again and with Kushni obviously I wasn't in the room you know I don't I can't say or attest to every single thing every single business decision every single opportunity but I do know that there are a lot of things that black women and then women of color have to fight for in fashion let alone the entire world that then unfortunately when situations like this happen it's like we all are upset and we're mad that one of the few are now gone but also it's like this is just another example of opportunities I think that we don't get and my question to and my question about all of this and I'm not saying this to stir up anything although you know if you need to stir a little tea baby you can stir a little tea but my thing is if you were if if you are a brand that is so actively involved in the CFDA the same CFDA that has the CFDA in Vogue fashion fund and then also the fashion relief fund that was started for brands specifically affected by COVID I wonder how all of that works out because now I want to know well, what black and Latinx and just brands in general received your relief funds? 
where are these funds, especially from the PPE loans and stuff? Like, who are they going to? Because we obviously all heard about all the brands that were getting stuff. And we were like, sis, the Los Angeles Lakers does not need a PPE loan. Get that money back to the streets. And brands were getting called out left and right. And so they ended up doing that. But it's like, okay, there are other brands clearly that are not investor, the investor backed, investor backed. Is that the right word? Investor based financially backed I think is what I was trying to say um that could have used that money and especially black and brown brands and businesses that clearly they're trying to figure out okay how do I keep making product and get it out to the consumer I think that this is a great learning lesson altogether because I'm gonna wrap this up because I'm going on to my uh, my next topic <laughs> I think this is a great learning lesson not just on um making sure that you know you don't have all of your eggs in one basket Yes, you can tackle luxury, but maybe you also have loungewear. Maybe you also have a, da a dab of athleisure. Maybe the pricing of accessories and stuff like that are, are, are adjusted. Um, not necessarily to break down the, I would say, the integrity of the brand or even to challenge it, but to just make sure that there is a level of... Um, I don't know, of like variation and of product differentiation that you have. And this is not something that is just exclusive to Kushni. If you think about it, like you have Marc Jacobs, you have Marc Jacobs Beauty. You remember y'all had, we had like Marc Jacobs by Marc Jacobs by Marc Jacobs by something, something. Like you, brands do that where they have different sub-target markets where they're reaching. So yes, you're ready to wear might might go for someone who can afford the 15, 16, $1,700 dress. But you might also have like a, a sunglass line that is affordable because it's prices start at $150 or something like that. So I think that like product differentiation and studying your target market and even like figuring out different ways to reach them, I think is important for any brand, first of all. But secondly, this is another example of the fact that we have to just continue to build our own platforms and not be reliant on maybe even the retail market of, of somebody else. And I say that only because um, I think Christopher John Rogers took a great cue from the lessons learned about when net to porte close. Because when your manu when your when your retailer closes, then your brand closes, especially if that's the only place that carries your brand. So instead of going to too many brands to carry your product, which was actually the case with Kushni, Kushni was not just in one place, Kushni was found across the board in multiple department stores. You can set yourself up either way. So what Christopher John Rogers has now done is they actually have their own um, retail site like ChristopherJohnRogers.com, which I think is a phenomenal idea because if God forbid anything like this were to ever happen again, you at least know that you have your own platform that people can buy your product from. And I'm not saying Kushni did not do that. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Like y'all can go on Kushni.com, whatever. What I am saying is that it is important to have uh, multiple ways out the exit if that's if that's if that makes more sense um it's important to have product different differentiation but there are also multiple ways to ensure that you can feel a little bit more protected now the last thing i'm gonna say about this is that i do believe that if she had not been ordered um she being um carly kushney had not been ordered by her former colleague um is it oaks or is it ox what do y'all say because i've always said kushni at ox 
It may not even be that, but whatever. So Miss Ox, Oaks, not not car, not not cushiony. Okay, um, she sued the company back in June, claiming that she hadn't been part of a settlement. She hadn't been paid part of her settlement um, owed to her. So then, um, Cushney LLC was ordered to pay her more than three hundred eighty thousand dollars. There are a lot of questions that I'm sure people have about that. Obviously, I don't have the range to speak about the finances, but what I do know is that um, anyone who has to any small business, and I say small as in like not heat, like not I don't know investor backed and like with like hundreds of millions of dollars backed up behind them. Anyone who has to pay $380,000 in the middle of a pandemic, I'm sure is going to be affected. So I'm going to close this segment out. I hope you've even learned just a little bit more about black and luxury and black female designers. Continue to support your black female designers and the people who are growing and changing the world because we really are. We're setting the standard. We're writing the vision and making it plain. And I'm very, very happy and excited about that. Um... And so I'm hoping that Kushni lands somewhere. I don't know if she's going to go back into like another fashion house. I don't know if she's going to do something else. But what I do know is that um, her impact on fashion, not just as a black woman, but as a luxury designer, will forever be remembered and stitched across uh, the minds of people like me and so many others who look up to her and her very discerning eye and just everything that she has stood for and what she has created for the for the rest of designers to come after so yeah so next guys i want to (laughs) it's funny because i actually was thinking i was like yo i'm gonna close out on some drama um i want to talk about birkin bags because y'all was running the streets talking about birkin bags so much and i guess from the context of what i'm i'm gathering uh sweetie who if you don't know sweetie um you know that's my type tap in um i'm sure she has other songs as well like that wasn't even shade i'm just like thinking of like big viral songs she said um she dates quavo one of the amigos and recently she made she made a statement saying to make sure that you uh date a man who can buy you birkins now to give a little bit of context i think it was for her birthday that quavo popped up and he get and he dropped two birkins on her like he literally came with two birkins not one not even a photo like of two birkins and so she did like what i'm calling the birkin split where like sis literally dropped it low not for jesus but for the birkin and i was like okay cool and so she was tweeting a couple of other things and then um, eventually just made that statement. And then people were kind of talking about, oh, well, like I want Birkins. And then people were talking about, oh, well, like Birkins clearly are not exclusive anymore because I've seen everybody get them. And so I just kind of want to set the record straight, especially while we're talking about luxury and we're talking about access. So when we talk about like the Birkin bag, even though it seems like everybody is just snatching them up nowadays, it's not true. It's it's just it's not true. Um, first of all, the Birkin bag originated like back in the like the 1980s. Um, it's actually a really cool story, but like the chief executive of Hermes had been uh, he sat next to Jane Birkin on a flight, and Jane's bag fell over, and like all her stuff fell out. 
And so the idea was sparked for him to create a Birkin because one of the things that a Birkin bag is specifically known for is its structure and like I guess it doesn't tip over. It's a very structured bag. Now the thing about Birkin bags is like they're not as flashy as some other brands that you might see. Like for instance, if you see like a Louboutin, um, you know, you go and recognize the logo or even Dior or Chanel. But a Birkin bag is really, really chill. And you wouldn't really know the difference between that and another bag unless one, you just know what you're looking for. <laughs> like you are, you like, yo, I've been studying my Birkin bags. Or you're someone like a luxury authentic, authentic what's the word? Authentic, authenticator. I don't know why I wanted to say like authenticator. I don't know. Yeah, I was stressing the wrong things. I'm hungry. Um, authenticator. <laughs> And you knew like, okay, this is a, this is a, an actual real, um, Birkin bag. So first of all, a lot of people, we just gonna keep it a stack, a stack and a half. A lot of people don't even want Birkin bags because you can't flex the same way. I mean, you can, because if you talking to someone who actually knows what it took to get a Birkin bag, they going to respect the hustle. But most people are going to naturally not think that it is cool or it's as fly because of the fact that there's no huge prominent logo plastered across the front and like there's like not as much uh brand feasibility but there's a reason for this and this is why i'm gonna talk to y'all about specifically birkins and why this whole idea of like get you a man who can buy you a birkin like sis point him out let me know because first of all birkin bags are extremely exclusive if you notice you have never seen a birkin bag advertisement never Never, never, never. And if you say you have, I want you to, I want you to print it out and send it to me. Yeah, I'm gonna make you print out an ad. I don't know how, but I want you to. There are no print ads. People don't take them out in, in magazines. They don't take them out on digital. No TV, no radio, no nothing. And the reason why is because the whole point of Birkin bags and their success is like it's rooted in exclusivity and scarcity. And then also a high desire. Um... The thing is, it's like there's a strategy behind uh, oftentimes what like Hermes does when it comes to Birkin bags, like you join the sort of one of one in a lifetime club when you step into it. But if everyone has it or if everyone is hearing what's happening on the streets, it's not exclusive no more. And so one of the first things that like Hermes does is like they create only a certain amount of bags a year. First of all, each bag takes a while to create, and usually it's created by a single craftsman um, who has been trained for a, like years to create this bag. And actually, as soon as the bags are made, a lot of them are also pre-sold, and the remaining few are for a very selective basis. Now, I know you're saying, okay, so then Jamee, how people just be getting two and three Birkins? Sis, I don't know, but if I'm in that tax bracket, maybe I can make some things shake too, okay? I don't know. But what I am saying is that the average day person and even a lot of celebrities can't just walk into a store and get a Birkin. First of all, you can go on to like any website right now and, you know, even on Aramis like website and like try to find like their purse and you're not going to find a Birkin bag for sale. You might find Birkin bags on like other resale sites. Like for instance, if you go to the real real, you might see some Birkins. But even that I would probably challenge because you can't make me believe that a brand that is so about exclusivity would just allow a uh, secondhand like resale site to hold so many of their bags. But that's neither here nor there. Um, 
also one of the things that people do oftentimes is they try to create what I call a paper trail. So if you, for instance, want to show the brand that you want to buy a Birkin bag, you probably will put your name on a wait list and you also will start developing what we call a purchasing history. So you might not get your bag right then and there, but you may start buying some, some, some like less expensive bags you might start buying some scarves a couple of like i don't know little brooches accessories or something like that because what you're doing is first of all you're trying to one show the brand that you're not just in this because of the fact that you just want to say you got a birkin and i know people are like oh brands don't care well yes you do when you're creating exclusivity now if this person has a purchasing history that shows that they really care about your brand and they're willing to make the investment because let's just call a spade a spade. If you out here trying to secure a, a, a Birkin, which can go upwards of like, I don't know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, then it's like this. You got money. You got something. You have something that you can do to like, you should not bat no eye at a three hundred dollar brooch. If you out here trying to get a thirty thousand dollar Birkin. Okay. And so that's what the brand wants to see. The brand is going to see, are you going to continue to build on your purchasing history? Are you going to develop that relationship with the brand, whether that's the sale assistants or uh, the store managers? Are you going to be able to show at the end of the day that like you really actually genuinely care? Because if so, it usually works out in your favor a little long, a little later down the road, especially when you're building out that wait list. Now, the thing about Birkins, though, is like it actually completely deteriorates this whole supply and demand concept that so many of us are taught. Supply and demand is the higher the supply. Well, the more the demand. Well, I don't know. What's the, what was what the stuff? Oh, yeah. And so like as the demand increases, you can also like charge up your rates. But also as supply goes up, Usually the price goes down. And then also when you start talking about things like people wanting to buy certain things, if everybody got it, people don't want it no more. That's just usually how most things happen. But the thing is, Birkin bags don't do that. First of all, they have a, some people have said that like, they actually are a better investment than even the price of gold. And they always have a, an annual return on investment. So the thing is, you could go out and buy a Birkin right now. And if you cash in on it in 20 years, you will not have lost any money. In fact, you will have gained money. And I think about that often because I'm like, you know what? Instead of buying gold or something like that, like buying stuff in a stock market, like I'm sure this is why people be buying Birkins. But anywho, that's neither here nor there. The idea of supply and demand does not work for Birkin bags, okay? Because you can have the rate go up, but the demand is still strong. And that's because of the exclusivity, because they don't only give only a certain amount out into the world each year. So it's like, yeah, you might have paid X, Y, and Z for, for your bag, but you also know that only a select number of people in the entire world were able to get that bag the same time as you. And, you know, some people have also talked about, okay, well, like they're a little bit too exclusive. Like it's almost to the point now where like, you don't even get to determine the size, the color, all that stuff. Like if you get on that wait list and they say, we got a bag for you, you just got to take the bag, whatever bag they got for you, you got to take the bag and people will take the bag because taking the bag and having the bag is better than not having the bag at all. You hear me? <laughs> and so 
I think that there are just so many lessons, first of all, that we can learn, even just talking about the Birkin bag, about how one, it is okay to be exclusive. Your brand can be exclusive. You can be exclusive. Not everyone should have access to you. And that's okay. Because guess what? When they don't have access to you, the rate go up. The price go up. And the people who actually do have access to you actually will be much more thankful and more, um, I think, first of all, cognizant of your time, but also this, like, not everyone can have access to your resources and what you bring. And so it, it drives demand. It does. It drives demand. And one of the things that I have even learned, and I'm challenging myself to do this, is figuring out very strong touch points in the, in the market that I want to be present in and then places that I don't want to be present at all. Because oversaturation, to me, is damaging to a brand. Um, in some in some in some examples, I'm not saying necessarily if you everywhere that you're doing damage to your brand. That's not what I'm saying, honey. What I'm saying for myself, me myself, and I and the Lord, is that well, someone is blasting their music. Okay, um, is that to me there is a strong argument in being exclusive and not letting everyone have access to you, and then also really being very detailed about your brand image and making sure that people show up consistently before you make an investment in them. When brands give you the Birkin, I know you making the investment financially, but you're they're they're also making an investment in you because now they're they're saying that you are part of this this very sweet social elite club of theirs. And so I think of it as a two-way street. And so when you're a brand and you're thinking about it, yeah, someone obviously is giving, it wants you to give your time and your energy and stuff, but like also what do you get in return for this? And I know like people are like, oh, don't think about it too much. Don't be thinking into it too much, but nah, baby. I personally believe that this is a wonderful example of exclusivity, but I did have to get on, on, on the podcast and set the record straight because everyone is out here thinking that they can just cop a Birkin, that it's everywhere or even that fact that they've seen two and three four celebrities with it that all of a sudden it's less exclusive no they don't want you to talk about Birkin bags they don't want y'all to buy them I'm sorry like that's the reality of it everyone's like oh I can't the brand wants you to do this brand like this is this is great for the brand no it's not all these social media posts all the tagging and all this no it's not because it's like all of a sudden now it's it's oversaturation and like that is the very opposite of everything the brand wants to do. The brand wants to be the secret society of fly ass bags and y'all out here chatting them up. And yeah, I'm chatting them up too because I want to educate y'all about the secrecy of Birkin bags, but also the fact that y'all can chat all y'all want. At the end of the day, the brand is exclusive. The brand prohibits how many you can get, what you can get, when you can get it, and who has access to it. And that there is also a a level of history that you have to build with the brand in order to be able to have access to it. Now, why celebrities can just get some some bags? Why also be spoiling Cardi with the bags? And um, Quavo be out here giving two bags to Sweetie who giving us the Birkin drop? I don't know. But what I do know is that that is not a common thing and that's not actually something that I would think any um, celebrity can just outwardly say, oh, I have access to it because I'm a celebrity. In fact, Sweetie just recently did an interview with um, the founder of The Shade Room when they went to Pretty Little Things. And she was talking about her Birkin bag. And she was like, yeah, usually I'm still on a wait list for months. Now, if Shorty who got guap got to wait, then clearly the rest of us are just, you know, we're waiting. And so 
I just want to talk about that because brand equity is obviously something that seems to be traveling a lot through this episode, but also about brand exclusivity and making sure that you really understand your target market when you're creating this exclusiveness for you and your brand. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I know it's very different than what I usually talk about, but like I've had so many things going through my head recently and things that I'm really passionate about, like cushiony closing or even this idea about Birkin bags and exclusivity that I wanted to talk about. I also am trying to do better about all of the thoughts that I have in my head, especially around luxury and fashion and beauty, articulating those to you guys in a podcast because I do think that you guys really want to hear and know more. And I know that I'm not someone who naturally just like goes out and like am tweeting like all the knowledge that I know or like sharing it on Instagram because I don't know. I'd be thinking sometimes people don't care, but I guess y'all do. Um, so yeah, if you guys like this episode, please let me know. Y'all have my email and everything down below. Um, and also hit me up on social and let me know if you liked this format, if you want me to start covering more trending things or things that are happening in the world that we can actually talk and have analysis of and what I can share. Um, and so, yeah, I will talk to you guys soon. As always, stay blessed, stay beautiful, stay black. But most of all, you already know, stay a misfit.